Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We're glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. For such a time as this, a verse comes to mind from Isaiah chapter 41 that I want to share with you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. At times like this, I read that verse often, and I hope it will be a source of encouragement and comfort to you this morning. Thank you for joining us. Um, I hope you're remembering to pray, church family, at 7.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. each day or at some other time if that does not fit your schedule. But there is something about praying together and knowing that it, as Sharon and I prayed together last night at 7.30 to know that there were a lot of people in our church family in their homes or wherever they might have been who paused to pray. And I hope you'll continue to do that. The decision that we made to um, not meet corporately inside the church building today was not an easy decision, but one that was bathed in prayer. We sought lots of advice, particularly from medical community. Our elders discussed it, and we felt that the decision to not meet corporately would honor our community and say to them, if our gathering together could in any way at all exacerbate the spread of this virus, then we will not meet together. We will meet in our homes and perhaps in small groups and not meet co- corporately today. And we also believe the decision honors our medical community for they're right at the front of everything. And so um, we simply wanted to honor our community in doing this today. And we'll be praying. We'll see what happens during the week and we will be communicating with you on a daily basis. I want you to know that Pastors of churches talk together Friday by phone or text or email. I can name at least eight pastors that I conversed with sometime during that day as we discussed with each other what we were going to do. And so it's good that the pastors are cooperating and talking together. We want to honor the Lord together as the body of Christ in this community. God is on his throne we we know that, so we trust him. And as I'm sitting in the stool this morning, I'm looking at a virtually empty room. There are ten guys here who helped make this possible this morning, and I'm thankful to God for these men and their willingness to get up early and make this happen. But looking out and not seeing you, that's a strange feeling, and it just reminds me of how desperately I need the body of Christ, how desperately I need the church And I surely do hope that soon we'll be back together worshiping corporately. You have your Bible nearby? Would you open it to the 13th chapter of John's Gospel? John chapter 13. I started a series last week, Steps to the Cross, as we approach Easter. I'm going to continue that series today, A Stunning Demonstration of Servanthood. I prayed about changing the message today because of all this going on, but then I felt the Spirit saying to me, Keep on keeping on because in this particular message, a passage of Scripture, we're looking at some disciples who were concerned and perhaps even fearful. They knew that something is up. 
They didn't fully comprehend what was going to happen, but they were concerned. And not only that, but Jesus wants to calm their fears and also share with them a model for servanthood in moving forward. And so that's the passage of Scripture that we'll be looking at today. If you uh, have ever had a toddler in your home, and that would be most of you at some point, you know there's nobody more selfish in all the world than a toddler. They just are. Fortunately, it's just a period of time that they go through and they grow out of, and we're grateful for that. It happened with our two kids. In fact, our daughter took the word mine, M-I-N-E, and made it into a two-syllable word. She would say mine. Well, fortunately, she outgrew that. But as we think about servanthood today, I want to share with you toddler's property laws. hope you'll find this amusing. A toddler says, if I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I say I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Well, today as we think about servanthood, we understand that the model of servanthood that Jesus gives us is totally opposite of, uh, of the thinking of a toddler. We ask ourselves the question this morning, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? God comes in flesh. Big word for that is incarnation. God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. The second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as God in the flesh, knew exactly what was coming. He knew that within less than six hours from the time he entered the room to celebrate the institute the Lord's Supper, celebrate Passover with his disciples, and to do what we're going to see him doing in just a moment, he knew that within six hours he would be betrayed and arrested. And he knew that within 12 hours he would be a victim of a mock trial taken to be ridiculed by King Herod and then sent back to Pontius Pilate. He knew that in 16 hours he would be whipped by Roman soldiers, and in 17 hours he would hear the crowd saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he knew that in 18 hours he would be nailed to a cross and that within 21 hours he would breathe his last and say, It is finished. And then enter into the glory of his Father. As we read this passage of Scripture, knowing all of that about Jesus, it is an amazing and stunning passage of Scripture. So read carefully, listen carefully, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world And go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel 
around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished this thing of washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Having read or heard that passage, do you share my view of the word stunning? To me, this is a stunning passage of Scripture because this is God in the flesh, the creator and sustainer of heaven and earth, the almighty God on his knees, washing the dirty feet of his disciples, including the one who is soon to betray him. Every time I read this passage, I get a, I get a, a strange amazement in my heart, like, like I'm almost in some kind of daze. It is truly an amazing passage. So I want to ask three questions about this passage of Scripture. So think with me. First question, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? I submit he did three things. First of all, he loved his disciples. In that first verse, it tells how much he loved them. This is why he came. He's going to suffer and die and rise again. And he sees the pain coming but he also knows the glory that is to follow. And so in verse 1, it says he loves them. That's a glorious verse. He loves his disciples, and he loves them to the end, followed by that foreboding verse, uh, verse 2. Yet the love of Jesus Christ is paramount. The word love there in the first verse is a form of the Greek word agape. Agape love, God's kind of love, the highest kind of love. And that's the love that with which Jesus loved his disciples, with which he loves us. May I remind all of us that this is the love that he has for you and for me. Then and today, a love like no other. And you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, it's because I've read the rest of the story, and so have most of you. So Jesus loved his disciples. The second thing that Jesus did was he humbled himself. Washing feet, the job of a slave or a servant. It's, it's unthinkable 
that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself in the flesh would get on his knees and wash the dirty, likely stinking feet of his disciples. Their feet were covered with Jerusalem dust and dirt. And Jesus didn't look around for the disciples to make the first move. He had planned this from eternity past. They're about to eat a meal. Judas's mind is elsewhere. He's thinking about the betrayal. Verse 3 says Jesus knows all the details. And so in verse 4, he got up, took off his outer cloak, leaving only his undergarment on, took a towel, wrapped it around his waist, got on his knees in front of his disciples with a basin of water and began to wash their feet. The towel gave him freedom of movement. It helped him to dry the disciples' feet and to stay close to them. And, and he utilized the towel in the washing of, 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 the, of their feet. And it is a sign of his humility as he does so. So what did Jesus do? He loved his disciples and he humbled himself before them. But the third thing that Jesus did was he served by action. He served by action. Servanthood is not a thought process. It is action. Just like love is not a warm feeling, but it is action. Because where we live, it's been spring break week. My wife asked me to be off for a few days and to help her with some yard projects. And so suppose... That first morning where we were going to work in the yard together, I had gone to her and kissed her on the cheek and said, I love you. I have such a warm, loving feeling for you. And then I turned and walked away and got in my car and gone to do what I might have wanted to do. Well, that was no expression of love. Instead, I knew that an expression of love for my wife is to take action. Love acts and servanthood acts. And that's what Jesus did. He loved his disciples, he humbled himself, and he served by action. So that leads us to the second question. What did the disciples do? Well, first of all, the disciples watched in amazement. They knew that this was way out of the ordinary. Did they protest? One of them did. Peter refused. Jesus gently rebuked him. Jesus tells him, if you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. Do you want to be part of me? Let me wash your feet. Jesus said, you don't understand right now, Peter, but someday you'll understand. Have you ever said that to your kids? Your parents ever say that to you? You don't understand right now, but someday you will understand. That did not persuade Peter. He said, nope, not going to do it. And so Jesus said, Peter... If I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then, of course, Peter said, wash me all over. This physical washing has a spiritual truth. We're either washed clean by Jesus or we have no part of him. You see, the disciples had taken a bath before dinner, so they were clean. And they walked to dinner, so they're still clean except for one thing, their feet, which have walked through the dust and the dirt of Jerusalem. Jesus says, spiritually, you've been bathed. Once you have been bathed spiritually, then you are clean and you have no need of a bath again. But there is a need for an ongoing cleansing because you live in a sinful world. And that is pictured in the dirtiness of their feet and the need for their feet to be washed. And so in a moment, Jesus makes this 
Beautiful application. And he then makes a call for them to do this as a part of servanthood in the days ahead. So what did the disciples do? They watched with amazement. Second thing the disciples did was they received by submission. The twelve submitted to having their feet washed by Jesus. Even Judas, whose heart had already become hard and given over to Satan, but they received by submission. So what did the disciples do? They watched with amazement. They received by submission. And thirdly, they learned by example. Which of the eleven would ever forget this? We remember the words of Jesus, love one another. The words of Paul, be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We remember the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We remember Jesus saying the last will be first and the first will be last. So what did the disciples do? They watched in amazement. They received by submission. They learned By example, and fourth, they saw the symbolism of what Jesus was doing. Not necessarily that night, but after Jesus was raised to life and before he ascended to heaven, he spent that 40-day period of time teaching his disciples, and he taught them the meaning of this symbolism, and they saw it and they remembered it forever. Jesus taught them the meaning of all that had happened. So what did the disciples do? They watched with amazement, they received by submission, they learned by example, and they saw the symbolism. That brings us to the third question, what did Jesus command? What did Jesus command? Let me wash you. Let me wash you. Have you been washed by Jesus? That is, have you received Christ as your Savior and Lord? Have You allowed him to forgive your sins. Is he now your Lord? Have you declared, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior of my life? Jesus said, let me wash you. The second thing Jesus commanded was, do what I have done. I've given you an example, so do what I have done. The physical washing is a symbol of humble serving. And a servant is not greater than his master. So what did Jesus command? Let me wash you, do what I have done, and thirdly, expect a blessing. In that 17th verse, he says, you'll be blessed if you do this. Do not ever overlook a promised blessing of Jesus. So what did Jesus command? Let me wash you, do what I have done, expect a blessing. So that brings us to the last thing. We've asked three questions, answered them. So now we say, so? What is the so of these verses? Three things. First, your attitude is to be like his. We need to have a heart to serve 
and a head that bends to humility. Your attitude is to be like his. Secondly, remember who you are in Jesus. Forgiven, washed, cleansed, a new creation, set free, a child of the king. So your attitude is to be like his. Remember who you are in Jesus. And thirdly, you're to be a servant. You and I are to be servants. So who can you serve this week? How appropriate for the moment. There are those who live around you whom you can serve this week. Is there someone in your neighborhood who is alone? In this week of concern, can you go to them and say, I'm your neighbor, I love you. Is there anything that I can do to serve you, meet a need in your life? Can you join together with others in your neighborhood to prayer walk or to seek to minister to people? We're going to be posting this week on Realm and by email ways that you can serve during these days of concern about COVID-19. And so remember that you are to be a servant. Who can you serve this week? Who can you serve in the days to come? Would you bow with me for prayer? As you're watching this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're part of his family, would you spend some time praying now about how you can be a servant to someone near you, to someone in your family, to someone in your neighborhood, to someone with whom you work. And if you are watching today and there's never been a time in your life when you've given your heart and life to Jesus, when you've said, Jesus is Lord of my life, been forgiven of your sins, received the gift of eternal life, will you quietly in this moment pray, Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Come into my life, be my Savior and Lord, and I declare today in my life, Jesus is Lord. Father, do what only you can do in this moment, in this time, in these days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Are you in need of daily encouragement or want to learn more about First Baptist Belton? Visit our website at www.fbcbelton.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow and like today. Thanks for listening to today's message.